Good afternoon, ladies, and uh, good morning to me. Yes, uh, this is the topic 17 of our doctrine class. So today we have the introduction of the introduction to liturgy and sacraments. And next Thursday, we have baptism and confirmation by Karen. Now we go to liturgy. The Catholic Church liturgy is divine worship. So it is essentially an action of God. The liturgy is something, the whole Christ, which is the head, the Christ, the body, us, celebrates Christ, the one high priest, together with his body, the church in heaven on earth. So every Christmas, every mass involves the heavenly liturgy. Who are these heavenly liturgy? They are the angels, the saints of the Old Testament and the New. In particular, Our Lady, the Mother of God, and I would add St. Joseph. So the apostles and martyrs and a great multitude which no man could number out of every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. So you could just imagine every mass, all this, all these heavenly, heavenly principles are there. The angels, the saints, even maybe our parents, everybody in heaven, every single mass, they come down because the king of all kings comes down. So aside from that, the church on earth, a royal priesthood celebrates the liturgy in union with this. So the baptized offering themselves as spiritual sacrifice. So it was mentioned by one of the priests, it's the vestment. You know, the vestment is the heavy thing that you see. That sometimes it's red, sometimes green, white, or gold. So that represents the sins of man for those who are there. Who That's why we offer, say sorry. So that's what we offer to our Lord Jesus Christ. So baptized offering themselves a spiritual sacrifice. So we have the ordained minister celebrating at the service of all members of the church in accordance with the order received. So, and bishops and priests acting in the person of Christ. So the Catholic liturgy, the Catholic liturgy uses signs, symbols that come from the world of creation. So we have the light, water, fire, bread, and oil, and other life in society. Washing, anointing, and breaking of bread. Other forms from the Old Testament, we have the Passover rite, sacrifices, laying on of hands, consecrating persons and objects. So these signs are closely linked with the words they need to be accompanied and vivified by the spoken words. So the Paschal mystery, it's a living and life-giving mystery. So Jesus' words and actions during his hidden life in Nazareth and his public ministry were saving acts that anticipated the fullness of his Paschal mystery. So the Paschal mystery is closely linked to ideas about redemption and salvation. 
So it refers to four ideas about the process that Jesus went through to save humanity from sin. So the, uh, these are his life, which is the passion, his suffering and crucifixion, death, resurrection, and finally the ascension. So the Christ Paschal mystery is a real event that occurred in history, but it is so unique. From the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that all other historical events happened only once, <clears throat> excuse me, and then they pass away swallowed up in the past. But the Paschal mystery is a singular event that can never be repeated, undone, changed, corrected, substituted, equated, or superseded. It is present at all times and in all places while transcending place and time. So what are the effects of the Paschal mystery? That's granting sinners acceptance. It has definitely accomplished all of the following. So what are these accomplishments? That we are redeemed, all creation are redeemed. We have defeated every evil, brought forth the church and everything pertaining to it, inaugurated the messianic age, which is the coming of Jesus Christ, and ended Satan's dominion over mankind by inaugurating the kingdom of God. So because previously during the times of our Lord, no, you could, you could, we could easily see that there are so many diabolical events. But when Jesus died on the cross, these things are already, has not been, uh, it's not anymore something that you could see people possessed by devil, etc. So the things that we see now, maybe they have something problems intellectually or just, just very minimal, these things that are happening. So, and also the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So Jesus' humanity participates in the omnipotence and authenticity of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. The Paschal mystery of Jesus, which comprises his passion, death, resurrection, and glorification, stands at the center of the Christian faith because God's saving plan was accomplished once for all for the, by the redemptive death of his son, Jesus Christ. So now we go to the sacraments. Introduction to the sacraments. We are made up of body and souls. So. Uh, to nourish our body, we eat good food, exercise, go to the doctor, etc. Now, to nourish our, our soul, we need the grace of God. So how do we get this grace from God? Grace of God itself is invisible, but it would be through visible things with which we deal daily that the grace would come to us. So God in his wisdom chose to bestow his grace in a visible way, visible manner. So we will not assume that we received the grace when we really had not, or the other hand, or the other hand, to let us know that we had received grace 
when he did give it. So, and so God took the common things from the world about us. So we have objects which we could taste, touch, and feel, words that we could hear, gestures that we could see. So the exact definition of a sacrament is that it is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. We receive not only sanctifying grace, but the Holy Spirit himself. So what are these outward signs, sacramental signs proper to each sacrament is made up of, of realities. So like for example, we have the water, the oil, bread, and wine. So human gestures, the washing, anointing, laying on of hands, etc. These are what we call matter. The words said by the minister of the sacrament are called the form. Example, the, the application of water to a person in being baptized. We have the matter of the sacrament. The words, I baptized thee in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit are the forms of the sacrament. And these are the outward signs. The second element of the definition of sacrament is that, that it is instituted by Christ. So between the time he began his public life and the time he ascended into heaven, Jesus fashioned the seven sacraments. When he ascended into heaven, that put an end to the making of sacraments. So the church cannot institute new sacraments. Coming to the third element of the definition of the sacrament is the essential purpose is to give grace. So the sacrament gives us sanctifying grace, which make us share in God's own life and which we receive from the first time in baptism. It's baptism that opens soul to the flow of God's love. So when sanctifying grace is lost, when soul is cut off from God by seed, the sacrament of penance restores the sanctifying grace that has been lost. Thus, these two sacraments are called the sacraments of the dead. So the other five sacraments, confirmation, Holy Eucharist, anointing of the sick, holy orders, matrimony, give an increase of sanctifying grace. And they are called the sacraments of these five sacraments plus the penance deepen and intensify our spiritual life. So God's love does not anymore increase because it's infinite to begin with. But the soul's capacity to absorb his love increases as the, as the child's capacity for life increases with each meal that he eats. So these five sacraments, since they can be received worthily and fruitfully by a soul already in the state of sanctifying grace, often are termed sacrament of the living. Furthermore, we could categorize these sacraments into three. We have the sacrament of initiation into the church, the body of Christ. We have baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist. And also we have the sacraments of healing, which is penance and anointing of the sick. Sacrament of service, we have holy orders and matrimony. 
the efficacy of the sacraments does not depend on the celebrants being in the state of grace. So the power comes not from the celebrant nor from the recipient, but from God. However, the actual effects, that is the fruits of the sacrament, depends on the recipient's disposition. The stronger one's faith, the deeper one's conversion of heart and addition to the will of God, the more abundant are the effects of grace that we receive. Thank you.